Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 105 of the Everton Motor Racing Podcast. I hope you've had a good week. As always, we've had a pretty eventful MotoGP weekend this weekend. Hilarious, it's actually the first one all year that I've sat down and watched. Um, and I'm kind of glad I did because it was pretty good. You had all three classes. To be honest, the first yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I've not watched any any of them really this year. I mean, I, I get like missing the odd, you like know, I've maybe yeah, or maybe like missing the sprint up. on Saturday or something because yeah. you're busy. But yeah. you haven't sat down to watch a GP yet. No, like I'm watching my catch up, or I'll be like half watching on my phone whilst on a train somewhere, maybe. But oh, like, jet I, I've not actually like had like a a session where I've like sat down and watched the races. Are we kind of keeping thing. you here or something? Like <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <free>. you don't <laughs> you have to be stuff. here. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But, yeah, I'm quite glad I did though because all three races were very good. We've had three brand new race winners this weekend oh. with David Alonso, what's his name, Fermin Aldeguer, both of them 17 or 18 years old, youngins, mm-hmm. and Alex Marquez in the sprint race. Yeah. Took me and a minute to work that out. Second race. Yeah. You were like, oh, three, winner, three new winners. And I was like, who? You're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, I've just had something appear on my phone, actually, from Steve Day. A right. tweet from Steve Day. Um, oh, I thought it'd be a controversial, but he's just saying, he was the ex-commentator, saying that he doesn't have any current ties in MotoGP. Yeah. Can I just say that I very much dislike a Moto2 base being after MotoGP? I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, it's, 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 I don't like it either. It kind of... MotoGP is like the big one that you wait for, and when yeah. you watch a big one, Moto2 is yeah. kind of like having having your dessert before the main course kind of thing. Yeah, it's meant to be like the warm-up for MotoGP. And I feel like Moto3 yeah. is always such a good race and then Moto2 like calms you down a little bit again, <laughs> gets you ready for it, and then boom, MotoGP. Yeah. So I just find well, it weird when they do they're it. They're classed as like supporting classes, aren't they? In a way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You can't, you know, it's like going to see... A band, and then the headliner is on second, and then you've got one of the support acts <laughs> yeah. last. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, it's probably better than a dessert after main course. Thing, yeah, said, but uh, well, it's all the yeah. same, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the first thing I want to go into, which is some of the riders' comments this weekend, with the biggest and most controversial ones being Jake Dixon's comments regarding Darren Binder in the GP. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'll basically I'll read out what he said. About Darren Binder, because in the first lap, Darren Binder and Jake came together and Jake crashed out of the race. It was his home race. He crashed in qualifying, was trying to make up some places. He just won in Assen. He probably felt he could probably win the whole thing again this weekend. He gained a lot of places in the championships, currently sat in third, still is in third by about four or five points. But he was making good headway on Acosta and Arbolino. He crashed out of the race, and then within minutes of him crashing out, BT Sport, oh no, sorry, TNT Sport now, as they're now called, stuck a microphone under Jake Dixon's neck, and I don't know why I said under his neck. (laughs) In front of his face is what I was trying to go with. There you go. Stuck a microphone in his face, and he went off. After the event. Mm. And Jake Dixon said, 
Right, I'm reading it word for word. He said, I, you can clearly see I'm faster than you, so use your brain. I'll pull us forwards. Don't just ram me because you just ruined my championship. You ruined everyone's championship. You're an absolute idiot. He's an absolute clown. I'm sick of it. Ban him. Ban him. It's stupid. How many times has he done it? He does it all the time. Most of three motor two. Stupid. Good nothing to lose now, so I'm going to go out and win as many GPs as I can. Mmm... Mm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, why did they do that? Why did they have to TNT? Who in TNT made a decision to go, yeah, you know what, we're going to stick a microphone in Jake's face whilst he's so pent up? Well, did they not learn from Scott Ogden really last fair. year? Yeah, true. Yeah. Look at all the hate Scott got last year for sort of yeah. saying his opinion. But what I'm thinking is not only who let TNT or who decided in TNT that it was a good idea, where's Jake's? PR officer? Where's the, the press officer for the team? Why were they not like, yeah. mm, actually give him, you know, maybe until the race is actually over to gather his thoughts, maybe speak to his wife, calm down a bit, you know, reassess the situation, speak to your mechanics, you know, debrief basically with your team and then go, okay, yeah, I'm going to speak to the media now once I've sort of got a cool head and I've gathered my thoughts. And I can still say, yeah, and be honest and say, okay, yep, if he still stands by everything he's just said in 100%, but at least he would have had the time to maybe reassess the situation, watch the crash back, and maybe just go, this is actually how I'm going to deal with this situation. I don't know who Mm. thought that was a good idea. but Yeah, it was a bad look for... Everyone. Everyone, yeah. And the thing is... Like, I don't want to, like, pile on Jake or whatever, but if he's trying to get a MotoGP ride, things mm-hmm. like this are going to go way against him if he can't manage himself in a way that is acceptable for a PR standard. Like, I respect a lot that he wears his harness sleeve. Mm. I respect a lot that he's not afraid to speak his mind. and I respect a lot that he... There's no BS of Jake, you know. He'll kind of say it how it is, and I do like that from him, but... There's a lot of things you have to take into account. You can't discipline a rider just because they've got previous history because Mark Marquez would have been banned from the paddock about five, ten years ago. Yeah. You can only kind of judge it as each incident as it comes. Of course, if there are repeat offences of the same incident where a rider's doing things and they're not learning from it, then yeah, fair enough. But Binder... It was more of a racing incident because yeah. they kind of both went for the same line anyway. Dixon was on the outside, cut in, and Binder was there. Yeah, it wasn't like a reckless move like you could maybe say in Portimao in 2021. In like this yeah, kind of the one that cost the one title. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, that you, you could expect a reaction more like that from an incident like that. But this was really... It was fine margins. They were going for the same line. It wasn't reckless. The first lap of the race. First lap. You know, equally, Jake could have been like, you know, he's probably Darren Binder. If, you know, if he's got him built up in his head like that as well, he could probably think, mm, I might just give a little bit more room here because this guy yeah. is, is likely on the inside of me. And if I do cut inside, he's probably going to punt me off. And that's what happened. You know, not to be victim blaming, but. It takes two to tango with racing. Um, he, you know, he could have done something on his end. I'm sure to mitigate that because it's kind of what you have to do. First lap, 
bikes everywhere. Maybe you give a bit more room and you don't head back to the racing line, but I don't know. It's a tricky one. And like the manufacturers in MotoGP that are, let's say, um, looking right now to preferably bring people up are the Japanese manufacturers, let's be honest, because no one in the GP paddock already is wanting to jump over um, from a European bike. But, you know, and so the Japanese manufacturers are more sort of, shall we say, PR conscious about, you know, how their riders behave. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, like I can't imagine Honda or Yamaha looking at that interview and thinking that's our guy, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and that's, and those are the teams that are really, I would say, looking maybe further afield for riders at people like Dixon. Um, but hey, I'm not in the paddock. I don't know these things. Yeah, I don't know. I'm... Uh, yeah, I. It's the same as Declan. I like that he said his honest like opinion on the matter, and I always like when riders are a hundred percent open and honest about the situation. I, I hate when you get like a PR trained answer or they don't really say anything at all, which is what we hear a lot in the media from from riders is just some answer that doesn't actually give you any information at all. And Jake's one of the yeah. best to actually go and. Well, this is this is actually what's what's happening, and this is how I feel about it, and this is what the team thinks about it. But he probably didn't even have a chance to rewatch that crash back before he even said anything. And he's obviously seen that it was Darren Bender, or someone's told him that it was Darren Bender, and he's just, which is automatic because reaction, just gone. That guy's an idiot. He does yeah. this all the time, and you know, I think if he'd actually gone back and watched it. And again, taking that time to speak with the team and the his, like, close friends and family around him, he would have calmed down before speaking to the media. Like they should have waited until after the race at least. Yeah. To to speak to him. He was fuming. Like yeah. he was in pit lane trying to go down to the intact garage, and he had Nico Torol pulling back and all that. And Seriously. Then, yeah, he was in pit lane trying to you know go into the intact garage to scream at them, and then. Then yeah, Terrell to pull him back, and then he went to his own garage and was screaming and shouting and swore on live TV. Just yeah, yep. swearing on live TV and stuff. <laughs> Love but that. There is iron irony in the whole situation because Darren Binder got taken out three races in a row, and he's not calling for anyone to be banned. But <laughs> yeah, mm, <laughs> I seen nothing. Yeah. yeah, the whole the whole ordeal just made me cringe a bit. Oh, very cringeworthy. I think mm. a lot of he's gone down in the estimations of a lot of people. Like, I, um, you know, wanted to start fire maybe a little bit and posted that Jake Dixon has said these things. And as you can imagine, the comments on social media are saying all sorts of things against Jake. So you can imagine the kind of public are not in favor of Dixon at the moment. I think maybe in the coming days he'll come out with a statement and be like, look, I'm really sorry is in the moment, things like that. But in the same way, none of this should happen. I don't think why... I don't see how TNT have not taken Ogden's situation last year when he said... I can't remember what he said, but he said something pretty wild on the same broadcaster's network yeah. about a rider. Um, it was against... Who was it? It, it was probably about Munoz, I think. Or, but, I can't remember um, probably, what it was. Yeah. It was last year. It was late in the season yeah. last year, and I remember and him going off something. on one, and I remember everyone being like, "He is going to get slapped about by the team." And 
and like the, the media social media went on a yeah. wildfire against him it was really bad you know and I think Jake's, Jake can handle it a bit more than Scott because Scott's still a teenager kind of thing, but they, you'd have thought they'd learnt their lesson, but clearly not. And maybe Hodgson, who's very clearly a Jake Dixon fan, and his mates of Jake maybe thought that he'd get the best out of Jake in that situation, but when someone's that riled up and pent up, the last thing you want to do is put them on live TV. I think mm. the fact that Neil was the one to do it as well maybe made it worse it probably made jake more yeah. comfortable to just sort Honest, of yeah. be more of a sort of stream of consciousness rant thing whereas if it had been more of a just sort of generic pundit if you will he might have thought like more in his head like oh i'm talking to press here not my mate yeah like Dawn um, i think yeah. that's what it was as well because if you do watch it back in my head he didn't address the camera that much like he was fully just ranting it out and I feel like, yeah, you see a familiar face in front of you that you speak to all the time and you speak to outside of the media because they are friends and he's just... It maybe would have been better to have that conversation between the two of them, obviously, with the cameras cut. Neil could have been like, okay, let's say that all again, but in a way that's not like you ranting on <laughs> yeah. about it or being yeah, completely yeah. raging about it. Like, how? <laughs> I don't know. But the rest of the commentators just didn't really say anything afterwards either like no one really knew what to say which was what made it even more awkward that everyone else was like yep that's just mm, happened and we sort of just yeah. have to brush over it i think well the race still being on for a start kind of meant that like, kind of helped Gavin, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh let's just move on from that yeah. um but yeah uh yeah an awkward one well, um but we love to see it. On, it keeps it all interesting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. something to talk about. So yeah, Exactly, yeah. Um, on to another comment made by a rider that was very interesting. Was Mark Marquez was also interviewed by TNT Sports on the grid. And Marquez basically said, don't expect better than 12th place from me. Which is a kind of drop in the ocean of a ton of rumours about Mark potentially moving to Grassini Ducati next year, next to his brother, Alex. And that it's would be so kind good. of a weird comment. Oh, yeah, it'd be amazing. But it's a weird comment for Mark to make because we know Mark Marquez would always be like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this. I'm going to do all I can to win. And now he's like, oh, yeah, I'll maybe at 12. He's given up. And it's maybe like he's like, yeah, he's given up on the project. And if, to the point where he's like, I don't want to get injured again so that I can actually ride that Ducati next year and not get diplopia or break my arm again. So let's just ride nowhere near the limit. And yet somehow he still crashed today. He's still yet to finish a Grand Prix this year. Mm. For nine yeah. races. Johan Mir, his teammate, out of the 17 races he has done this year, he's crashed out 10 of them. Poor bugger, honestly. That is mental. <laughs> I feel bad for them both at this point now. Yeah. Like, yeah, the sympathy is there. Mark really wasn't Mark in that previous interview. Like, he, Michael Laverty said to him, do you want it to rain? Because then obviously it would be a flag to flag and you'd be able to go out and have a bike swap and you're really good at that. And he he said, I was he really was good at that. Ever. Yeah, he was like, mm, yeah, he I used to be good ever. at that. So that was already yeah. number one of like, wait a second, why are you referring already to yourself in the 
in the past tense, the past tense and then yeah. continued to go on to say don't expect any better than 12th which he was in before he crashed out so yeah he was ironic with one wing which is yeah kind of impressive to be yeah. honest um yeah on such a fast track but oh i don't know i think um i think something's changed in the background that we're going to hear about in the coming weeks um I s- yeah i still I think, think so. retirement I, I can't see a Grissini yeah. move. I don't know. It well, just DG is pretty much out. That's like yeah. not official, but it's like everyone's mm. kind of accepted Digier is out. Yeah. He was in the World Superbike Paddock at Miller looking for a seat. Um Arbolino's not been confirmed to that team. And there's rumours of Johan Zarko moving to Honda and has said he would be happy to take on the Honda project, <laughs> um, provided oh he's given a two-year contract and not a one-year. Obviously, that LCR Honda seat is now open because Alex Rins has been officially confirmed to Yamaha, as we said in the podcast last week, um, which opens Frank and Morbidelli, puts him in the open. Morbidelli has also been rumoured to LCR Honda. Nah. So there's a lot of no. switching and moving around, well, but... Paolo Chiabatti says he yeah. really wants Morbidelli on a Ducati. That's what I was just about to say. Like over the weekend, yeah. obviously Frankie's probably had some of the biggest rumors about him because he's mm. open to go anywhere. You know, it says yeah. that he's leaving Yamaha, so that means yeah, probably a complete new manufacturer in MotoGP rather than maybe staying with Yamaha and going to World Superbikes. But the Ducati rumor definitely got bigger over the weekend with him and Luca Marini mm. lining up against each other or with each other in VR46 next year because VR46 mm-hmm. team boss and the likes of Paolo Chiabatti all going, oh yeah, we'd love to have Frankie in the team. Yeah. Sort of makes you go that there's been a conversation there and there's definitely yeah. something but going on. Going on from that, it's a weird one because then you think, okay, then Bozzetti would be the one to move out to maybe Pramac. Factory but bike. then... Um, Uccio and the rest of the team are now pushing Ducati to get a factory bike for Bez in the VR46 squad which then could mean maybe Morbidelli to Pramac Zarco has a contract with Pramac next year the only reason that Rins got to break his LCR contract was because there was a clause saying if a factory seat Mm. comes available and you're offered it you can leave Mm -hmm. so my only thing is thinking the only way I can think of this if Zarco wants Honda Maybe he's got the same clause. So Zarco could go to Repsol. Yeah. Morbidelli to replace Marquez. Morbidelli could then slot in at Pramac. Yeah. Yeah. But then where does... Who goes LCR? LCR Honda. It was pretty much a done deal that Ikaloko Corona was going to go there as of Friday. Now everything there has changed. Yeah. Ikaloko Corona could still go there. A lot of people saying with that one that maybe there's been like pre-contracts or contracts have been drawn up or discussions have maybe been had but nothing's been signed yet by the signs of it with with Lacuna. I can imagine he is almost certain to be on a Honda next year whether it's in Superbikes or GP is unknown but I can't see him wanting to leave the Honda rider because in a minimum at a minimum for him he can contest and win the Suzuka 8 hours which is what he would have done this weekend if he wasn't at Silverstone, they did go and win the Suzuki Hours with Yavi Vierhe, Nagashima, and Takahashi, mm-hmm. I believe. I believe the third one was Takahashi. 
They won the Suzuki Hours. Lacuna could have won that for a second time in his career. He's kind of got a spearheaded role in the factory Honda squad as well in the superbikes, or he can jump back into MotoGP. He's pretty much open, but I think he'll stay with Honda, and I don't think he cares too much about where he goes. Yeah. He just wants to be in the class, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of movement now, and I think it all depends on Mark Marquez and where he goes. Yeah. If he even chooses to leave Honda, which I can't see him wanting to risk his life. Like Jorge Lorenzo said, I'm not. it's the risk and the reward was outweighed now by the risk rather than the reward, which is why Lorenzo retired. Yeah. I can kind of see that with Mark Marquez and the Honda. I think if he signed a one-year deal with Grassini Ducati, was still the same next year, Marquez would retire. Mm. Yeah. I think what's Alex the... is going to pull... Oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, what's the point of Mark signing like a short contract for a satellite squad? You know, Test because... Now, I guess. It might not work out, is the thing. Mm. We all just assume he's going to jump on a Ducati and it would all be sunshine and rainbows, but mm, that... That's why he's doing a one-year deal, I guess. Yeah, it? that could maybe not be the case. I don't know. The more I hear from him, the more I'm still thinking retirement because it's like, what's the point anymore? Yeah. Is the vibe I'm getting. It's definitely so the, the fact... vibe I got today, anyway. The fact that he, if, if these rumours are true, that Marquez would hop onto a year old bike in a satri- in a satellite squad instead of being in the Repsol team shows how desperate he would be to get out of Honda if that is the situation where he yeah. goes into a year old bike in a in not even the top Ducati team, in the fourth Ducati team. Because but, at the moment like yeah, they were third overall last year, but at the moment I would say the pecking order would be Factory, Pramac, VR forty six, which is the order of the championship and then Grassini down further on. But all four teams are still capable of winning races. Exactly, yeah. Like Alex showed us that. It's still a race-winning bike. Yeah. So yeah. I think it, it's kind of like 2020 Rossi vibes in a way. It's like the factory thing and everything is just like not working out. I mean, sure, Rossi stayed on at Yamaha when he went to a satellite, but it still was just kind of like the waning of a great career sort of thing. And mm. I mean, Marquez jumping on a Ducati could, um, you know, and I would love to see it. Um, I'd love to see him win races and stuff again, but it is the sort of last chance saloon thing. I think sort of like Rossi going to it that Patronus Yamaha. Gives, that yeah, it gives feeling. massive Rossi vibes mm. of like, is it just sort of delaying the inevitable here? Yep. Or are we just sort of stringing it out because there's a glimmer of hope that a good performance could come in? I, I think he yeah. could win races on a Ducati, of course, but I just don't know if he'd be able to string together a championship. Then I think the only thing that is going for him is the fact that he's probably fed up of Alex Marquez in his ear telling him how much easier it is. Because Alex Marquez, <laughs> who has made that move from a Honda to a Ducati and can now fight at the front... Alex Marquez yep. was okay on a Honda. He wasn't great. To then being great on a Ducati. So then for a great rider on a Honda to go to a Ducati, who Alex and Marquez, they're brothers. They have come up through the GP ranks the same way. They learned to ride bikes the same way on the left-handed flat tracks. If anybody knows how Marquez rides, and if anyone is similar to Mark Marquez, it, of course, would be Alex. So if Alex can fight for wins on a Ducati... 
I don't see why Mark couldn't. Yeah. I always say this. be the only thing. That Mark always says that Alex is the faster brother. Yeah. Of course it's a weird one. But, I mean, it's because... <laughs> what a it's backhanded like a insult. Thing, 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 <laughs> exactly. No one's going to be like, oh... Yeah, no one's going to take that seriously giving the, yeah. the, the, the trophy cabinet of the two of them no one's going to be like oh it must be like no one's going to take that seriously I yeah. don't anyway no. I mean everything that Deck just said makes sense mm. but then how often do things in the world of motorbike racing actually kind of just yeah. make pragmatic well, we sense well we all thought like Paul Spargo would be the man to turn Honda around then it was like maybe your mayor will be the man to turn Honda around mm-hmm no. <laughs> no, it just doesn't. Yeah, things just don't kind of um, add up that way at all. There's just so much more it, nuance. It works out on to paper, it. but then when mm-hmm. it comes into practicality, no. It it all it comes down to that very unquantifiable thing of does the bike work with the rider? Does it work? For yeah, them? you know, and mm. you can make it. You can spend two seasons trying to make it fit as best you can, and then start getting maybe top tens, top fives. But if the bike just kind of works then you get like you get a bastionini effect of just coming in yeah onto that ducati and it all just sort of gelled and he won like it wasn't well, his first race but thing. i mean first race on a race winning yeah. Ducati, yeah you know well it's to back up what you've just said everyone thought Neo bastionini would be the man on the ducati this year and then he comes to silverstone and says yeah i'm 100 percent fit now so you're like right okay you're probably going to be up there with Pecco and he's nowhere to be seen and then crashes out. It's the consistency thing for him though because obviously in his first year that bike that he was on was a decent enough bike but wasn't what he needed to win races. He steps onto the Grassini bike, it's what he needs to win races but he was so, like, he won three races last year but he was so up and down in his performance. Yeah, he was. Yeah. With Jorge Martin was the same yeah. but... A bit it more was like up and Anae down. was just yeah. the best of the two. Well, Anaya was winning, whereas Jorge Martin yeah, wasn't, and that's the difference. Yeah. But now Anaya is on a bike that could be there every single weekend, every single racetrack. And you think that after missing so much of the first half of the season, that he'd come back being ready to go at Silverstone, and he just was off the pace all weekend. So yeah, yeah, it's a weird one, and. You could say, yeah, because of the injury and things like that, which would make sense. And, you know, I get that completely. But I don't know, like, you're on the factory Ducati team now. They got rid of Jack Miller, who could win races for them on that bike for you. And you're nowhere to be seen whilst your teammate is on pattern for race wins again. It's a consistency yeah. problem. It always has been. Mm. I always said that they would give Anaya Bastini another year. I think he's got another year anyway, but it wouldn't be the well, first time Ducati have just turned around and been like, mm, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Anaya isn't contracted to the Fatu Ducati team. He's contracted ah. to, to Ducati, as is Martin, as is Zarco. Ducati can put them wherever they want. Yeah. So Ducati wants to do a swap at the end of this year. Obviously, Jorge Martin would have to break his Red Bull deal, and so there's a bit of eh, about that. But if they want to swap them over, they can. Mm-hmm. So Anaya, although yeah, he's had one year and he's been injured most of the year. Ducati have even said that they're not really looking to swap them around. 
Jorge Martin sits in second in the championship at the moment on a satellite bike. He was also the guy Ducati didn't pick. So it kind of looked bad on Ducati for picking the wrong guy as well. It's just, but how are they to know? That's the other thing. It's like, yeah. how were they to know that Anaya Bashlini was going to get injured in the first race of the yeah. season? Because I That's do think that that would have changed so yeah, much this his confidence season. and the stuff will be down yeah. and things like that. Yeah, so he's got a mountain to climb, but his inconsistency in the past has been something that I've always thought about with Anaya Bashanini. So I just hope that he can maybe string it together a bit more. And yeah, get up he, there he, he did. Sorry, go on. Yeah. No, carry on. I've lost my train of thought. No, I was just saying, like, the, he needed the first half of this season to, to iron get into out it. the inconsistency, yeah. you know, and 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 now you know he's lost that. He might start to find some consistent form in a couple of rounds. I mean, we've still got what eleven yeah. rounds left. Yeah, you, know, you can still make a decent charge. He's not going to win the championship, but if he takes another handful of rounds to develop a bit of consistency and, and really sort of get to grips with the team and the bike and everything, then yeah, I think we can, we can probably see Bastianini win another round this year. But I'd, mm, yeah, I'd say it's he will. Take a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Because this weekend just showed that anyone can win. Yeah. yeah like yeah. literally anyone. I, oh, yeah. How are you meant to predict? Unless it? you're on a Honda or a Yamaha. But. Yep. Yeah, that's a bit different. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's an interesting one with everything, really. Um, but yeah, going into the MotoGP race itself, there's a lot of controversy, as always, with race direction. Mm. Um, actually, no, before we go on to that, <laughs> Pit Byra Pit spoke to Alex Hoffman mm-hmm. on Service TV and confirm there will be five, at least five KTMs on the MotoGP grid next year. That's good. Which, of course, confirms Costa to MotoGP. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know the logistics of how they're going to do that. They're going to do but like a is Repsol Honda. <laughs> oh, <laughs> three bikes. Three yeah. yeah. Yeah, they could do. I love that. That'd be mm, good. Yeah. That would be cool. But yeah, so that's the rumour. Anyway. Going on to the MotoGP race, like I said, there was controversy with the stewards, as always, with Matt Oxley, MotoGP journalist since 1988, um, basically posted a screenshot from a chat of, I guess, someone from Ducati that says, Hi, everyone. As an FYI, we went to speak with the stewards after the MotoGP race regarding Francesco Bagnaia's track limits on the last lap, because as we saw... Bagnaia pretty much was on the green. He was on the really He was, he was. unless he was levitating yeah. over it, he was on the green. Yeah. yeah, and they said that, so reading from it, said, Francesco Bagnaia's track limits on the last lap, but they confirmed to us that no sensor was triggered by Peko, and therefore the result will not change. Matt Oxley said that the stewards are a joke. My naked eye shows Bagnaia was on the green, but the sensors didn't work. So no offence committed. MotoGP becoming a joke. I would love and to know... Oh, no, sorry, go on. You finish your no, point. No, carry on. I, I finished, I was finished. I, I'm just saying, like, I would love to know what the margin of error is for these sensors. Is it literally yeah. millimetre by millimetre? This is calculated? Like, what? what is the technology well, here? I don't is it a know. mystery? What's, because what is this? Brad Bender looked at the green paint and yeah. got given a track limits warning, or 
twice like, yeah twice in the one weekend had to give up a podium um so two podiums and then Peko Bangaya okay yeah if you demoted him a place he still would have been third so mm-hmm. I, I don't see an issue with that but it was so clear in, in any picture if you watch it full speed in a video if you slow it down like I remember watching it live like I was literally jumping on my sofa like yeah. he's touched the green he's touched the green that that's always mm-hmm. that you are demoted a place and then people were coming out and saying that the people behind you have to be realistically able to pass you or they have to be within like a second or something like that. I was seeing a lot of tweets saying um something along those lines, um, which I'm mm-hmm. not too sure. But it just doesn't make any sense how Brad Bender gets penalised twice in the one weekend by mm-hmm. being on the green the same amount as Peko Bangaya was. Like yes. surely surely a picture is enough to prove that he was on the green. Yeah, I think it's to do with... There's one way at the corner and you lose more than a second, then you'll get yeah. penalised. Mm-hmm. But then there is... If you touch the green, you touch the green. If you touch the green on the last lap, you lose a place. That's yeah. the rule. That is... Or- yeah, I'm gonna like, see if I can find. I just, yeah. tweet. I, it it does beg the question because obviously, like Brad's transgression at Assen looked far more minor, less severe, where however yeah. you want to say it, than Paco's today at Silverstone. Yeah. And like, I want to know: is there can it vary track to track? How? Um, precise or like well set up these sensors are like I do I just I don't know what the tech is I don't understand like how it's calculated um, I mean it would have to be for it to be the sole um, let's sole sort of arbiter as to whether or not someone did or did not transgress and actually go on the green if it's the sole thing there then these mm. sensors need to be a transparently tested so that I think everybody, all teams, everyone involved can see like these things being tested and how they're like how it's all calculated and the way it works. Cause I mean we're gonna get back into the whole thing of like MotoGP being a very untransparent business at the moment. But like that needs to happen. We need to understand like why just how precise these these are gonna be to to essentially ruin my predictions like this yeah <laughs> yeah um i found we'll the tweet it. <laughs> i okay. found the tweet it was from um david emmett and he has the picture up um with peck on the green and he says yes Bangyaya exceeded track limits but you only lose a position if the rider behind you had a chance of getting past you bender was way too far back no, there's nothing official in that of anything no from like cause... a real book but I well, don't um, understand. But then what about Oliveira at Mugello? Was it last year, year before? He like tapped the green, I'm sure, and he got demoted a place, even though he gained no material advantage. Well, that's the I thing. Like, I, well, I it happened to Izan Guevara. Izan Guevara yeah. won a race mm-hmm. last year and he got the win taken away from him because he touched the green paint on the last lap. Well, yeah. do, you remember yeah, Mar- yeah. do you remember Marco Bezzecchi's first ever Moto2 win? No. No. Jorge Martin clipped the green and lost the victory, and they handed it to Bazzetti for it. What? I'm well, just they're trying to find the image. They're talking but about here's... being black and white and sort of yeah. like rules are rules, but then 
if someone could have made a pass or not sounds like a big old grey area to me. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. But, but then um, Matt Oxley replied to the tweet and said, I completely disagree. If Banyaya had stayed off the green, he would have been slower out of Stowe. So Binder would have been closer and had an outside chance of passing. The gap for no penalty should be a number, not some myopic steward's opinion, i.e. <sighs> two or more seconds. Uh, it's funny, I've just found my own article about the whole Bezecchi and uh, Martin thing. Um, but here's an image of what Jorge Martin lost a victory for. Oh, good. This will be now. great for our listeners. I can't right wait now. to describe it. I know. But look, <laughs> right. he is, he's on the green. It's clear as hell he's on the green. Right. Mm-hmm. Bezecchi, the front wheel behind him is Marco Bezecchi. Okay. Did Bezecchi oh, have right. a chance? No, because they're on the straight and Martin cruised to the thing. He wouldn't have gained or lost anything because they're on the straight. So why did Jorge Martin lose the victory for being on the green, yet Peko Magnaia didn't get demoted a place for also being on the green? Well... Look at it, Pedro Costa earlier this season, long lap penalty. <laughs> I mean, that was quite the talking point. Yeah, um, it was. Took but his no long sensors. lap penalty. Yeah, yeah, clearly didn't touch the green. The set, or clearly did touch the green, sorry, or the white line or whatever it was. And they just went, oh, well, the sensors didn't go off. And this is the only camera angle we have, which is really bad. So yeah, looks like he's not they, taking they another to, one. There needs to be more data, essentially. You need some kind of camera or something as well as the sensors, spotters, I don't know, set them up like a tennis court where you got like a little person for each line being like, yeah. it's out, you know, yeah. <laughs> do exactly. something because this is crap. Yeah. Well, it's funny because in the same race that Jorge Martin won, Bazzetti also touched the green and didn't get penalised for it. <laughs> oh, I've seen that happen before. Have you not seen that happen? There's been other races where that's happened where... Two people have touched the green. Was that a race with Miguel Oliveira last it, year? Two riders touched the green and one rider got penalised. Could be, yeah. And then it got reversed back when it got revealed that both riders had actually touched the green. Yeah, I remember that happening. Yeah, that might That's be what the I'm thing. Like, of. Yep. why is it against? Because I would think they said it in black and white. If you touch the green on the last lap, you are penalised. Okay, they have sensors there that showed that Peko did not touch the green. Fair enough. But if you can see it with your own eyes, why do you need to rely on technology? That's, it's, the sensors yeah, it's should be a backup. It's not fair. Yeah, yeah it should, should be. be yeah. Like the sensors yeah. are there for, like, say, during the race where people maybe exceed their track limits and they get the, the long lap penalty and, you know, it's a good way to keep track when you can't watch every single rider every single lap. Yeah. Exactly. But when it's as clear as day as that and you're literally looking at a picture and you have to turn around to KTM and go, well, he's not on the green. Who are you trying to fool? <laughs> <I know. Yeah. laughs> it's just gaslighting. Yeah, like, literally like, no, he's not, not on the green. green. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he is. That never happens. Yeah, it's uh, bonkers. Like my ex. Yeah, it's just, like, that's the thing. That's why Matt Oakley, Oakley said that MerGP, what did he say? I'm just trying to get it again. MerGP is becoming a joke. <laughs> And it's true. It is a joke because I swear mm-hmm. every podcast we have after a race, we're talking about flipping race direction, making the stupid decision. What about their stupid decision with Aaron Carnot? Yeah, but it took them, oh, what, God. nine <laughs> laps to work out that he'd done an overtake on a yellow flag? Like, from Literally, lap two he did it on. Yeah. And then lap 11. Oh, yeah, by the way, demoted at a position. 
Mm. No, it, it's to too far the, gone. Yeah, you have to give yes. back the place, and at this yeah. point, that where, place is so gone. It was, but yeah, it was between third and fourth. He'd yeah. passed under yellow flags, and by the time they told Aaron Cannot that he had to give up the place, Firmin Aldeguer was actually in first. Aaron Cannot was in second, so that means he had to then drop back to behind Pedro Acosta. Yeah, just to then place. regain the place again. Yeah, like it made no. Doesn't no sense. sense. No. But, <laughs> yeah. I no. mean, at least they at least they put it in place. Like, I'm glad it didn't get away without being penalised because when you pass under yellow flags, you have to make it clear that you've given the place back, which I don't think he made a fair enough attempt at. So I fully agree that he deserved to be demoted a place, but he deserved to be demoted a place in the same lap that yeah. the incident happened. Not maybe nine later. a lap or at most two laps. After that, you just look like a fool. Like I might when... start playing. Oh no, sorry. Carry on. Okay, carry on. okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say I might start playing like Stuart Bingo or something. Oh yeah, that's great. You couldn't come up time. with it then. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So how would you know? <laughs> because yeah. I'm in the square every time stupid. they do something unhinged. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Well, Ugh. I remember. I don't remember because I didn't watch it live. But when Valentino Rossi overtook under yellows back at Phillip Island years ago, they just gave him a time penalty at the end of his race. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just weird. Um, They're their own worst enemy. They They've are. tried to bring too many rules in for safety and they can't. Yeah, they can't. They can't steward it. They're just yeah. they're, they're not well thought out. They've not sort of thought of the implications of all of these rules that they're bringing in and they're just sort of picking and choosing which ones to follow to the letter or not, you know? Yeah, it's... and then they're just ignoring other things, like when Pecco and Alex Marquez came together, they were like, meh, nothing happened. Or when Marini <laughs> yeah. ripped off Fabio's entire fairing, eh, nah. Nothing. Eh, it's fine. No, he's or... having a shit time anyway, so just yeah. let him carry on and have Vignales... a shit time. Well, when Vignales came together with Miller and destroyed Miller's race. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, uh, not considered to be overly ambitious, no contact. Yeah, there's no contact because... Miller has tried not to smash into Vinales because if yeah. it hit Vinales, he'd be given a penalty for it for being overly yeah. ambitious. But the, the problem is, is that a lot of people are saying now that they have favourite riders and some riders aren't getting penalised. And I always try to say, no, that's not the case. Mm. And, but the more this goes on, the more it's like, oh God, like Peko's not getting penalties, Pedro Costa's not getting penalties, you know? But everyone yeah. else seems to be getting a bit of bias unfairly yeah it seems to be that some people are getting really shafted here while some other people who maybe should have got penalties yeah and just are getting away with it it. and i don't want to like go on like oh motor gp is dodgy or you know there's maybe bribery going on in motor gp it does seem to be that some riders or some riders linked to people who are prominent in the paddock seem to have a little bit more leeway riders as they say Oh, there are people. You always hear people going on about Spanish riders getting, like, you know, a bit more leeway and yeah. things like that. And it is true, to a degree. It's not like obviously certain, but you do see more commonly than not a Spanish rider may get a little bit of an advantage, like Vinales and Miller, for example, getting a little bit of leeway, a little bit of like a Pedro as well, a little bit of more wiggle room mm. to yeah. It's just hard to stand up for it and yeah, be like. Couldn't... You no, it's like... clear they're trying to do case by case basis, which is why they're making bad decisions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't know. This year in particular seems to be 
okay, it's getting a bit more blatantly obvious yeah. now, is it? But it's not yeah. obvious to the point where you can like stand up in front of them and say a court and be like, oh yeah, this is what you're doing wrong yeah. because there's no way to prove that. It's just kind of like, it's just a bit weird that there are some offences that get penalised and others don't as well. Yeah. But, don't um, have a rule book if you're not going to use it. Exactly. But yeah, on to the actual race itself. Um, it was great to see even Jack Miller in the opening few laps, obviously at the front again. It's very good in the opening laps on that KTM. He, he seems to just find his way to the front every single time without fail. I think I can count on maybe two hands now, the amount of races he's led at the start, Le Mans being another one. Mugello, I think, he, yeah, Mugello, he led into turn one as well. Yep, he's he just pretty needs good at that. That, that longevity that, I don't know, that mainly the Ducatis seem to have. Mm. Um, I think, I don't know, I reckon Jack would have been fighting for the title this year if he stayed on the Ducati, but... Oh yeah, yeah he's certainly definitely. not having a bad season um, on the KTM. <laughs> Better than people thought he was going to have, I'm sure. But yeah, it's it's got like clearly, it's fast, just not for very long. Yeah, yeah, that you seems know. to be his issue. Like he mm-hmm. looked really, really speedy, but then obviously when he went back a few places and was getting caught up with people, and then obviously getting punted out the way he did, I do think he would have probably ended up at the back of the group anyway and mm-hmm. finished about fifth or sixth in that race. But Brad Binder managed to keep it going. So there's hope there that the KTM does have the longevity and the pace is there, like the race pace is there. So hopefully coming up to the likes of the Red Bull ring and stuff, he'll be mm-hmm. able to convert that to a possible podium, I think. Yeah, I think so. that's it. I think... And seeing Vinales getting a good start as well. Obviously, we know that that's been his kind of downfall for many years now. So to see him get a good start and stay in the front group for the entire race, yeah, was and really a bit more good. Aggressive. It's good. Yeah, yeah, and he was very aggressive. Some of the moves he was making on Brad Binder as well. I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was majorly impressed. But it seemed to be the case as always that Francesco Bagnaia took the lead quite early on. And he pretty much led the entire race until the last few corners when Alasius Bargro, who started in 12th, was able to pip him and take the, his second ever Grand Prix victory. We love Alish. Yeah. We do. I was very that happy was to see that. And the people go on about like, oh, Ducati, it's a Ducati Cup, a Ducati Cup. But we had three Aprilias in the top five and only one Ducati there. Yeah, Ducati that, didn't yeah, have a, point. a great weekend, no, to didn't be honest. No, Bit of a shocker, to be fair. Like, it was pretty much Peko just carrying the um, the cat on his back. But that, that's yep. the th- it's a consistency thing all round this year. Is that Peko is being able to make mistakes or being allowed to make mistakes because none of his competition is um consistent enough. Like Alicia Spagro last year would be fighting for the championship. Yeah. But this is the first time we've really seen him battle. For yeah. not only just podium but win as well this weekend. So yeah, exactly. But he's all the way down sixth in the championship, so it doesn't yeah. really affect his battle. And then you've got by now his closest two rivals in the championship, Jorge Martin, who did get punted mm-hmm. on the start of the race and yeah. did you know have to take evasive action. So it was unfair to see him get pushed aside because now it's like forty-one points. I think I want to say yeah, forty-one points. He now is in deficit to Bagnaia. But then another rider that's just behind him in the championship is Marco Bezzecchi, 
who retired from the race, crashing at 205 miles an hour. I think on the Hangar Street, was it? Uh, it was the Hangar yeah. or Wellington. I think it was the Hangar. I don't oh, know. I can't remember. It was, one, it was it crazy. Was, it was the one heading towards the start-finish line anyway. Um, yeah, he crashed there at 205 miles an hour. But again, because he's been a bit greedy, he could have yeah. gone wide. Yeah. But he chose to know and continue. Yeah, he well, should have, yeah. He was faster than Bangaya and he knew he was faster than Bangaya and he was getting sucked in for like two, three laps before that where he was just that little bit too far off. He was closing in on Bangaya fast and the commentators said it the lap before. They were like, whoop, that's a bit mm-hmm. sketchy there. He's getting yeah. dragged in. He's breaking yeah. really late. And then literally we were on board like his onboard camera and we just watched him completely same corner completely yeah. wipe out it's yeah just being overly ambitious and if he'd waited literally i'd say a lap two laps he would have been on peco and he could have yeah, made it easily. a sensible move especially yeah. when they all bunched up at the end he could have been that fight with all them lot yeah and even if he didn't because he probably thought right i've got to take this chance now before it disappears from me obviously you can't look into the future and have your little crystal ball but Hindsight, looking back, he could have afforded to just actually chill, save his tyres a little bit because yeah. it would have ended up in a five-rider scrap later on. There could have been a six-rider if he was there. So, uh, with, what, seven laps to go, the rain came in and the top five, top four budged up and then Miguel Oliveira, who was on some sort of rocket ship today, <laughs> caught up to the rest of them as well and was joining in. But that's the thing with Oliveira. He's had that pace all year long, but because of his injuries and things like that, we've not been able to see it. But he has been superb on that Aprilia. Yeah, he's been the, or he would have been the consistent Aprilia rider this year because it was clear he had pace from the get-go and then obviously being injured, coming back, getting injured again, you know. It's easy to say that he would have been consistent, but all the performances that he's put in so far. (laughs) Any race he's been allowed to finish, he's done well. Yeah, he's (laughs) been great, exactly. So I'm really excited for the second half of the season for him. I yeah. think he deserves Austria the podium, but... Yeah, Austria exactly. next time out is very good for Miguel Oliveira. Yeah. <laughs> and Brad Bender, who yeah. finally got a podium. <laughs> yeah. Like, he deserved it, but... Yeah, because that was um... his... Oh, sorry, No, go. Go, go. <laughs> I was just going to say that was the second podium of the year in a main race. It's just yeah. mad to think, considering he's fourth in the championship at the moment. Who it, is? It... Brad. Bender. Yeah. It stresses mm. me out. Like how inconsistent everyone is. That's the thing. Like, you go back through the last, say, five results of everybody. Pecco has either got a one, he got, yeah, first in Mugello, second in Germany, first in Assen, second in Great Britain with a retirement in Le Mans at the start. And then sprint races, he's gone third, first, second, second, then obviously he didn't score any points in GBR. Everyone else is. Nowhere near that consistency. The only person who's as consistent and taken consistent podiums is Jan Zarco in fifth with three podiums of those five in the main races. That is. We've got actually got Hoy Martin in the second, second, and first. But again, the last two races, he's finished fifth and then sixth and sixth in the sprint races. It's just Pecco's going to be able to run away with it due to other yeah. people's. Yeah, he can crash. To, he to can crash out of Australia, Austria, and be fine. You know. Well, that's the thing. He he literally could crash out of both races, and the chances are that one of either Jorge Martin or Marco Bezet, someone will have a mistake somewhere that'll mean Pecco will still have 
set a 10 point advantage even yeah. if he scored no points in a weekend. Yeah, because he's got 41 points. So he's got max you can get in a weekend is 37. So he's got a full race weekend on anybody anyway. But I don't know. No one seems to be wanting it as much. Or they are, and they're just too greedy with it, like Bezzetti was yeah. today. Yeah. I, I do feel Jorge Martin had a shot today if oh, the start yeah. of the race hadn't have been the way that the way it was. They did. But yeah. The fact that he I, fought his way yeah. back up to sick, though, just shows yeah, really how impressive. good he is. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that he is going to stay with Ducati next year as well, because I was quite worried when those Yamaha rumours were floating around. What yeah, but you... I think that Alex Renz makes more sense. Yeah. I don't think As that would have been it. That would have been silly, I think. I don't yeah, think it, it would. Like I said in the last yeah. podcast, Alex Renz is perfect for that seat yeah. in Yamaha. I can't imagine a better rider to go to that bike, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the Fabio incident was interesting, yeah. just to see his fairing get ripped off. Well, he had a really that. good race. You can't he deny did. that. He was like he... seventh. Yeah, he, he went from last place to seventh. Like, I know some people crashed in front of him, but yeah, you got to stay on. At the end know? of the day, you got to stay on. And for the fact that he got the <laughs> complete front of his bike ripped off, switched on to his other bike, and still managed. I think he finished fifteenth in the end. Yeah, he still got, got a point. A point. Yeah. <laughs> like, pretty pretty mad. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying like changing the results and saying that he did actually finish seventh. But <laughs> nice. Um. Yeah, that was a a more Fabio style race, I think. Like he he, yeah. he has pace and he showed it, but it was just unfortunate that he had to start from the back of the grid due to no fault other than his own. But yeah, know. of course. What were his lap yeah. times like compared to the leaders? Um, I'll get them up now. I'll just have a quick mm. look. It's just such a hard like oh fault to watch, I can't isn't get it? Them up. Oh no. Yeah, sorry, I can't get them up because MotoGP's new website doesn't have the flipping PDFs. What? <laughs> what are they doing? All I know, the, the, all I know is if you compare it to his teammate who was faster than him all weekend, I don't like what happened to Frankie Morbidelli in the race. Mm. He, Just, he was nowhere near, really. And well, the, he was ahead initially. He was like ninth yeah. or something. Yeah. And then he was doing okay he changed for a, bit, for a wet yeah. bike. Yeah, he changed mm-hmm. to a wet bike, him along with like, he was like Augusto Fernandez and. Did you as well? Did you and yeah. Raul maybe as well? Well, I mean, for their... if you're not of the back, Raul, you might as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Speaking of Raul, he took his best ever MotoGP finish today in 10th place. Oh, it wouldn't have been Raul then. Never mind. Yeah, 10th place for Raul. That's all right. Like, yeah, it's tricky conditions and stuff like that. His best ever result, first top 10 in MotoGP. Showing some progress. If I was Raul, Good. I'd take that. Yeah, kind of a weird race to take yeah time, i think like if yeah you stayed on the slicks you were kind of guaranteed to be i think he did i mean pit, didn't he? He i can't on... remember he he might not i don't have... know if he did i don't I think he did actually it. Lacrona... it whoever was at the back oh yeah oh, it would have been like Lacrona and nakagami mm-hmm. i've got here let's have a look this is gonna mm. take too long actually think about it um um oh yeah digi mobadelli nakagami Lacrona. okay there you go. Makes so, Morbidelli pitted as well. Still got 14th. Yeah. No, but he, st- he, he was up there. Yeah, he was. Morbidelli was like 8th, wasn't he, at one point? Yeah, and then he yeah. dropped back and then was in that back group. He also yeah. pitted, so he obviously pitted too. Yeah, but it's very impressive to see Alexis Spargo take the lead on the last lap. 
Oh, I was absolutely, absolutely screaming the house down for him. That is the first <laughs> yeah. time I've been like up out of my seat oh, in yeah. a long time for like, a Moodle GP race. Like every yeah. week a Moodle 3 race, I'm up out of my seat. But oh, yeah. <laughs> not usually for a Moodle GP race. So no. that's how you know it's been a good one. Yeah, it was outstanding race, really. Oh, it was. And it's funny because when Alish won his first race, I was like, that is amazing. I was so happy for him. But I was like, I don't know if he'll win a second one. At the start of this year as well, I was like, I don't think he's going to win a second one. It's proved me wrong. Yeah. Yep. And I thought in those conditions it would be Brad Bender. Like when they started coming yeah. together, like I messaged the group chat. I he was, was like, on yep, fire Bender. though. When they came together, yeah. he was just overtaking everyone. Yep. Yeah. But, but there you go. Yeah. Spargo. Alicia Spargo, the king of this weekend at yeah. Silverstone. Yeah, superb. Superb. Yeah, it was a great move. And I think it, uh, Peko maybe thought about it, but Alicia was like, no, don't you dare. Yeah. There's yeah. absolutely oh, yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Yeah. It's, it was win it or bid it. And he was going to take yeah. Peko with him, I think. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. could have been spicy. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the, in the main GP race, a few shout outs, I guess, to. Augusto Fernandez in 11th, I guess. Paul Spargo made his return, 12th place. I'd yeah. say that was all right. It was good. Paul. I feel yeah. like he had a, a good weekend. It was solid to get him back yeah. into the swing Didn't of things. Crash. He must have been so nervous. Yeah. He said oh, yeah. that. I feel like I, I read that somewhere that he said how nervous he was going out on track. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And then fair. the mixed conditions too. Like not only <laughs> coming back yeah. after a career-ending crash, but to come in and then the weather be the way it was. Yeah. Madness. Oh, yeah, he did so, so well. And yeah, he should be proud of himself, I think. Because there's not many people who can actually come back the way they did. Because a lot of people would have hung them, hung their levers up after a crash like that. Because I think so. He could have been paralyzed, you know? Yeah. It's not the Asparger away, though. No, it's no. true. No. Nope. Wouldn't so, like them. He did well. He did well. Um, heading to Mesa 2. Mm. There was that big crash at the start, wasn't there? Like I could I see so Gomez bad. in the thing. <laughs> I could see Gomez on the grass, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh dear. Yeah, and then yeah. the camera cut, and I went, yeah. "That's gonna be like a bowling ball. Yeah, it's gonna not it was be nasty. good." Who, who got knocked out? Foggia, Harder, Skinner. Gomez, and Skinner. Skinner. Yeah. yeah, obviously. Of course, I said that. Best it went, he went down, and then the camera cut, and I went, "That's Skinner, right?" And my That's brother was right. like, "What?" And I was like, "Hundred percent." Because you could just tell where it was going to end up on track. And then they played the replay. And yeah. It's so typical, isn't it? Gutting for him because, you know, he had his best ever qualifying so far in P21. Rory wasn't happy about it, as you expect from a racer. But to end up in the dirt like that sucks for him. It's just one of these things where, like, just time on the bike is just being taken away from you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You can't build the momentum and the feeling and confidence. Yeah, because he had that crash and missed the last few rounds as well. Mugello. And then he gets back on. He he doesn't even get one race lap. He gets a corner or two corners. Gets collected by a bike, yeah. Yeah. It was big. It was a big crash i was surprised yeah. to see all of them up and walking away from it to be yeah honest. it was very big but i'm glad they're all right and then obviously dixon was taken out the first lap as well wasn't very happy at all oh was he not no it was weird oh. that yeah and then really? i didn't hear anything yeah and then to see lopez and alonso lopez crash out a bit later it was weird um, yeah what happened Did i don't know the rear? We've s- you just lost the front I think. never seen the replay the properly 
Yeah. But he kind of just crashed out. But yeah. maybe again, maybe a bit of pressure because he saw his teammate was there. I think mm. so. Because yeah. Feminel de Guerre has kind of been the number two in the team, kind of following on his footsteps of Lopez. It really should have been the other way around because of how well Furman did in the FAM CEV. Yeah. And so you kind of thought that it would be Furman killing it and Lopez doing the same, but it's kind of been the other way around. And so now that we're seeing Aldegar doing what everyone expected him to do, Lopez is now going the other way a little bit. He was third in the championship the other week. Now he's fourth, 92 points. He is lucky. Oh, no, that, that's old. That is old. Ignore me. He Same. is fifth in the championship now. Oh. 92 points. So he's dropped two places from third. Mm. It's, uh, that yeah. has an effect on you mentally when you're yeah, a whippersnapper. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think, yeah, for Maine being slightly younger as well, I feel like the two of them get on really well as well. Yeah, they do. They're good like, friends, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like they do compare themselves to each other. I feel yeah. like because they well, get no on other so boss well. There's on the grid. Yeah, so they're so competitive. Like, you are racing against one other person. Yeah. yeah. And Fermin mm. definitely had the pace. And yes. Alonso was clearly pushing hard to keep up with him. Fermin was yeah. on fire today. Fermin has rocketed up the standings to 7th. What? From from 11th overall to 7th. He's shot up the standings thanks to that victory today. And he's actually now only, let's do some quick maths, 92 minus 74 is 22. That can't be mm. wrong. That's wrong. No. 74 18. is 18 is the other side there's only 18 points between them now both Ooh. of them are capable of winning races yeah if Lopez think... can't stay on the bike you're gonna see that the team order flip around a little bit I think yeah because mm-hmm. they, they've got their own little championship happening it's yeah. just a two bike mm-hmm. two bike yeah table, well you know? there are rumors that next year we will see the them change. Io, Gas Gas and Hasvana swapped to Bosco Scuro. Oh, that's a rumor that's been in the park as well. Yeah. I would welcome that so much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, especially like A teams like that as well. Yeah, exactly. One more thing as well. So far, this race today is the first race that Kalex haven't won this year. Kalex have won every single race this year in the uh, Constructors' Championship. I'm like, I'm not surprised though, do you know what I mean? No. Because yeah, it's, just... it's a lot of averages, there's only two yeah. other. They could have won all races really. this season and I wouldn't be surprised. No, yeah. well, I think they did. I think last year they won it with like nine or ten rounds to go because they won yeah. every single one. <laughs> well, yeah, because Lopez was the only one winning races. Yeah. Is there, um, but... is there still MV Augustas on the grid? No, there's no. there's a forward chassis, but I don't understand that mm. because it's not an MV Augusta. I don't really understand what it is anymore, to be honest. <laughs> because uh, there's only on the on the constructors, it's only Calex and Bosco Scuro that's on there, and the forward team. Let's have a look. Check Marcos Ramirez. Uh, no, it doesn't say what he's on. He's just on the forward chassis, but they're not in the Constructors' mm. Championship, which is strange. Interesting. Yeah, very weird. Kinda. But 
Meh. Very good race. Um, Canet, though, again, misses out on another victory. <sighs> yep. And, like, mm. But this uh, is the story of, of so many like veterans' careers now. You've got these young, yeah. hot talents coming through that are just making them think, God, is it, is it too late now? Aaron Canet is, what, 22? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like... It's past Old man, he should what? think about retiring at this point. Like he's oh, yeah. over the hill now. Yeah, twenty four. Twenty four next month. Yeah. Oh well, come on. If, if oh, at twenty four you're not in GP, then honestly, yeah, done. which is yeah. mental. Yeah, but it's true. Like that opportunity has now passed him by. He should have been GP two years ago, really. Yeah, I don't see him ever getting into GP. I don't this think year. he will. It'll, no. it'll it'll be like Marcel Schrotter and Tom Luthi and things like that, where they will Sam, just be a motor two yeah. kind of. But I don't think we'll see as much of that anymore because there's so much talent being brought into Moto three these days. Yeah, that I don't think anyone's going to get the opportunity to be like Marcel Schrotter or no, Tom Luthi. Like well, you're not going to get that much time. That's no. why Manzi and Belega were shipped off to Supersport, and yeah. well, now and Lorenzo Della Porta is next Moto three champion, now racing for Evan Bros in Supersport. Like yeah, it doesn't. There's no time anymore. But like super and super sport the, yeah, and world superbikes is going to be stacked in ten. It years. already is. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's mad. Five years. It's yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's still going to be more coming in in the next few years. I like would say like, like yeah, and I think Jake Dixon may end up like Aaron Canet again as the most two kind of better because I can't see him in GP next year at all now. Now no, that Yamaha has been today. taken up. I don't yeah. see that happening. I didn't see it that much anyway. No, I, I don't didn't like either. I I don't know if it was just the British media running Probably. the rumors a bit mm. like opening it up really wide. Yeah, I'm excited. But to be fair, Pedro Costa is the only one that you can hundred percent see going up. Otherwise yeah, might stay down. Like. Yeah, Arbelino's already looking like he might have to stay where he is. So if that's the case, Jake Dixon's not moving up. So mm, Yeah. Where are we at with Yamaha getting a satellite bike next year oh is it's that, very unlikely yeah very that unlikely would, that would help honest. but then you know like mm. gonzalez would be probably first on that wouldn't he yeah Ooh. manu and manu would be really good to be honest yeah he would manu's doing Put really him well in the for me. yeah yeah manu gonzalez i can't remember did but he was doing the fastest lap of the races at one point he was yeah. fifth did he again that's his best ever result i believe yeah, yeah no, i think he got a fourth Ah, uh, yeah, I think he did break that with the fourth. Let's have a look. But he, um, name? I can't find him in the standings. I think he got there a fourth last year, late in the season. Um, let's have a look. No, fifth. Hmm. The fifth. One, two, three, four, five times now. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> match his best ever result. Again, solid rider. But, um, Great rider. Yeah. Who was fourth? In the race today, it was Joe Roberts. Yeah. yeah. He came from nowhere. <laughs> he had a really good race. He did. There was just conditions sort of coming into it. I was like, Joe Roberts should do okay today. And yeah. then I didn't actually realise he finished fourth. I thought he was about fifth or sixth. So. Well, that's the first time Joe Roberts has finished higher than 12th this year. Wow. Yeah. I hope Yikes. it's a turning point because he's good. He's good yeah. job. I'd hope so. Yeah, I like Joe Roberts. I really want him to stay in the... In the class, yeah, so. me too. I think, well, like I said last week, there were rumors the Marrera's got the seat after a private test at Mazzano between mm. Mazia, Otola, and Marrera. 
Um, so he could be out for Marrera, depending on where Marrera goes. Mm. Um, actually, did you see Marrera's helmet design this weekend? Yeah, Santa tribute. Yeah, the Earth and Santa yeah. tribute. Oh, yes. Real cool. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was ace. really good. But yeah, and um, back into it too quickly, Pedro Costa as well is now the championship leader. By after, a point? By two points. Oh, oh by two. And he's injured as well. He's an injured foot as well from a training accident. What's he done? I don't actually Hasn't know. Said, no. No. Kept it quiet. Very quiet. But yeah, training yeah. incident apparently. Yeah, he mm. took his boot off. Literally, yeah, as did. soon as he crossed the line and started Because I thought he chucked it into the crowd, but no, he, yeah. he had it in the tank. Yeah, um, very interesting one. Um, well, there's a silly season. There is one more Moto2 rumour, which is about that Jaume Messia has signed a pre-contract with SAG. But he okay. did that last year as well. And SAG's probably the worst team to go to because they're slap bang at the bottom <laughs> of the Team Constructors Championship at the moment. Yep. They're only saving Grace being that podium from Bo Ben Schneider. I mean, you shouldn't move up a class just for the sake of it, I think. Unless it's GP, maybe. But I don't think you should move yeah. up to Moto2 I think just because a ride's there. Yeah, I think he's worried that he's not going to get a Moto2 ride. So he's seeing this as maybe his only opportunity. It is funny, though. Say veteran Moto3 riders struggle to get up there. But then kids like Zonta can move from... Like junior GP Moto three straight into Moto two World Championship, but then I've thought this year the like the Moto two rookies this year have struggled a lot, and you they, wonder well, if the likes of Masia or maybe Dennis Onchu etc. who haven't won the Moto three Championship, I wonder if they moved up how they would do. Yeah, because I'm genuinely intrigued because they have like the the Moto two rookies haven't really I haven't seen much apart from Sergio Garcia. Yeah, it was 14th in the championship, crashed out today. You know, seventh. Yeah, and the championship leader, Ethan Guevara, scored another, what was it, 21st today. <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? Like, we were talking about him like he was God last year. Yeah. yeah. And he's absolutely nowhere to be seen. Obviously, Fodger didn't even finish today. The other rookies being Darren Binder. Where's he on the standings? 19th, one point scored today. Borja Gomez hasn't scored a point, crashed out today. Roy Skinner, zero points. S. Craig, zero points. It's a tough like, class to crack. Oh, two. Yeah, it's horrendous. S. Craig, this is the first time he's actually finished a race was today this year. He's missed most of them for injury. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's making the, the, the races, for the most part, kind of boring as well. Because it seems like when it clicks for a handful of riders... They are just so much faster so than everyone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, you don't just you don't get like a I don't know you don't get much exciting racing like in MotoGP and Moto3. There's like ten riders who could be scrapping it out for the podium, if not more. Like yeah, Moto3 like, scored the second closest ever top fifteen today. Really? With <laughs> Yeah, the top <laughs> 17 riders split by 1.9 seconds. Yeah. First you could have been 17th. in... Yeah, Wild. I think the group stretched back as far as 19th, but yeah. there was a little bit of a gap towards yeah. the, the back of that group, but you could have been anywhere in that group. If you tried hard enough, you were getting yeah. up there. Yeah. And that's, it's just not the case in Moto2. You've maybe got five riders who you think could be on the podium. Um. 
like it's barely a scrap when it is as well. There's always someone who's a second or two clear at the front. Yeah, like Furman you know? today disappearing. Yeah. And then another second. Yeah, between you get a third, little bit you know? of a scrap at the start and then someone mm-hmm. finds the rhythm and then you yeah. know your final three by, you know, halfway through laps. the race. Yeah. yeah. Unless yep. someone crashes, but then mm. it's just the next person saying fourth to pick up the pieces who yeah. Yeah, is riding around on their own too. Yeah. You don't want races being won by crashes, you know. No, you don't. Yeah. No. But yeah, um, moving to Moto3, as we said, second closest ever finished. There's a second closest ever top 15. So top 15 was split hilariously by both the Aspar riders with Colombian <gasps> David Alonso coming from 28th on the grid, dead last, to finish first, racing as high as second on the third lap of the race, which is insane that he got from 28th to second in like two and a bit laps. It's like video game place stuff. Was his, oh yeah, his teammate was uh, Yamanaka was 15, 4.5 seconds behind. 15 riders, technically split by 10th each, really. Wow. is nuts. We shouldn't uh, say anything though. though because this is what happens and we'll big him up and then he'll go to yeah. Moto2 and then nothing <laughs> will happen. It, it, so, yeah. Alonso's a weird one because... He won the Red Bull Rookies Championship, not last year, but the year previous, 2021. Mm-hmm. Then did this, like the junior GPs last year and was on the podiums and stuff like that and winning races. But every time he did a wild card or a place ride in the World Championship, he was battling for like 20th. You could barely stick to it. And then all of a sudden he's coming as a full-time rider and he's absolutely killing it. He's not the rookie I thought that was going to be making no. waves. like. It was all pointed towards Rueda, who he hasn't was, been yeah. terrible, has no, been having an average rookie season. Yeah. yeah. But Alonso's just blown everyone else out of the water. Yeah, like, where is he in the championship now? Let's have a look. If I can work out how to get this up on the new stupid... Um, there we go. He's sick <laughs> overall. That's, That's mad. For a rookie, that, that isn't is Pedro Acosta. That's impressive. He's Rather got... Pre- He's sixth overall. Raiders eighth overall. There's a thirty point gap between the pair of them. Oh, okay. Well, then I take it back for Raider. It's not an average. Like he's also doing very well. Yeah, he is but... doing well. But the fact that David Alonso is nine points behind Onshu, who's in the IO squad, uh. <laughs> and you got Ivan Otola, who's in the MTA squad. This is only their second, maybe third full year back in the championship. They're Ivan a good team, there. They are they are really good. I like what they're doing, especially with like the Angelus thing as well. Exactly. Um, but yeah, then Masia actually has lost second in the championship after his crash today with Sasaki being not. promoted third, just oh. by two points. Um, and then Sasaki. Yeah, I think it's because Hogado finished third. Yeah, he did. That. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Masia think... doing Masia things. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, he crashed from the lead. Disappointing. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm I'm quite sad. The, who I am really sad for though is Scott Ogden. Oh, uh, don't even speak to me about it. I was like, yeah, Pain. Scott Ogden, and then literally you know, like no, a minute later he stalled it. I was making breakfast and I walk out and I'm like, oh yeah, look at Scott sitting P two. I walk back in for the warm up lap and I'm like, where's Scott Ogden? Completely missed what had happened. See yeah. him lining up at the back of the grid. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, so. So typical. Every British oh, rider yeah. just did not have yeah, a good weekend. <laughs> like literally, ever. Sam yeah. Lowe's had the best weekend, and where did he finish eighth? Something like that. Mm. Yeah. Like every so. time, 
a British rider comes to the British Grand Prix, there's an issue like Sam Lowe's nearly winning it and got taken up by Zarco years ago. Yeah. You know, it's it's just typical, isn't it? It's a curse, like a genuine curse. Yeah, Sam oh, Lowe's yeah. is lucky I've... to have finished the race, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way it was going. Mm, but I, I don't know. It was a good race, of course. Shame for Messiah because he had a real chance of actually making some ground up after Holgado scored zero in Assen. And he, he closed from like 41 points it was. And he closed it to, down to... 16. To, yeah, to 16. <laughs> and he could have closed it down even more. But now now he's 32 back. So he'd been handed a lifeline and he's just absolutely chucked it up the road. Well, Holgado did exactly what Holgado needed to do after that horror weekend in Assen. He yeah. stayed cool, calm and collected. Top five probably would have done enough, but mm. third place, he'll take it. Another podium. Yeah, that's it. Like, he's dropped four points to Sasaki, but... He's not going Four to cry points. over that. Yeah. There's still 22 yeah. points between them. It's not like the end of the world. He's nearly got a whole yeah. race. Yeah, exactly. As a and bumper, which was better than what you came into the weekend with. Yeah, It's a second exactly. place man. So you have to take that as a win. Yeah, exactly. It Just was a really champion's ride. It was. Oh, yeah. It was. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, some really good races across the... Category today, what was his name? Colin Vire coming from oh, yeah. he was way back, like Damn. outside the top twenty. It was Scott Ogden and climbed his way up. He's quite good at that, I've noticed. Yeah, recently he's been pretty good for um, making up some positions in the last few races, last few laps of the races. I've been talking for too long. Um, my brain's starting <laughs> to hurt, but <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good at kind of making a lot of places up, and it's really impressive to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah Romano Fanati. Yeah, was really good until I don't know what the hell happened to him. Just faded. No, he kind of lost it. Yeah, yeah. but he he looked really promising. I was like, he's gonna yeah. win this race. Oh and yeah. Then... then you saw Onshu as well could have had the chance, but then was punted out in the last few corners as well. <sighs> bit typical Dennis Onshu as well. I don't know. He looked yeah. a bit ropey today. So yeah, I'm he did. Glad Some he of the wasn't... moves they were making, yeah. I was like, how the hell are they not crashing? This is insane. Yeah, that was a great wild. race. Oh yeah. yeah, it was the best race of the day. Yeah, I'd say so. Then MotoGP Moto was GP. a close second. Yeah, yeah. and then Moto2. But yeah. MotoGP, if it weren't for the choppy weather, was going to be boring as hell. Boring, yeah. yeah. I was I was so bored halfway through, and then those uh, the white flag with the red cross came out, and I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, and I was sure sitting on my phone, and then yeah. the rain flag came out, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to put my phone down, and actually start paying attention flag? again. Yeah. yeah. So like, it was a bit race, it was a bit boring. <laughs> I didn't yeah. watch the sprint race and yeah, everyone I asked, I was like, should I watch it? And everyone was like, mm, nah. Nah. Yeah. yeah. It was good to see Alex win, but. Yeah, yeah that's that. good. Yeah. Yeah. That is good. Right. Should we move on to predictions and wrap Ooh. this thing up? Okay, on, then. I have to. When's Austria? Not next weekend. No. Not next weekend, weekend after. So. Okay. Brad Bender to win. Yeah. In, in Austria, just saying. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> Write that down maybe, now. Maybe I'm just putting yeah. that out there. Yeah. So the tallies heading into this weekend was Cameron leading with 139, myself 13 points back with 126, and Lauren 50 points back with 76. Yeah. Do you know, I didn't realise I was only 50 points behind. Yeah, it's not that bad to be fair. I don't think you were only 13 well, behind me. I think you've been sort of sneaking some points in. I, have, just I don't trust Declan with honestly, any, like, no point in me trusting that you That's can do interesting because you've, you you've never shared it with us before. So. That's because it was always on an Excel thing and then my Excel 
Microsoft thing oh. ran out, so I had to transfer oh. it to Google Docs. It's <laughs> such an inconvenience, update isn't your it? Version. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> Every week, yeah. you're like, oh, sorry, I've done the maths wrong on this. Yeah, to be fair. But I've get, been gaining on you a little bit. Like, it's been like 12 points back, and then I was like 20 points back, and it's just slightly every time gained a little bit. But anyway, full Moto 3, it was Marcia on pole. And myself and Cameron went for Onshu, Lawrence, and Saki. So zero points there. Annoying. So in the Moto3 podium, it was Alonso, Sasaki, then Holgado. I went for Holgado, Sasaki, Marrera. So I get six points. Five points for Sasaki being in the correct position on the podium. One point for Holgado on the podium in the incorrect place. Cameron went for Mazia, Onshu, Holgado. Cameron gets five points for Holgado being in the right place. So close. And then Lauren went for Holgado, Sasaki, Onshu. Lauren also gets six points. So after Moto3, Vitaly's 144 for Cameron. 12 points back is myself in 132. And then Lauren back 50 again with 82. Mm. That's a bit more of a healthy score from myself. Mm. I'm not going <laughs> to right, near Nearing that 100. It was a dire weekend for everybody, by the way. Um, yeah. So Moto2 pole was Pedro Costa. Cameron went for Pedro Costa. Myself okay. and Laura went for Dixon. Zero oh, points there, but a point God for Cameron. damn it. I don't know why I thought <laughs> I'd went for no. In the race, I went... It was Aldego the one, then Canet, then Acosta. I went for Acosta, Arbolino, Dixon. I get one point for Acosta being on there. Cameron went for Arbolino, Dixon, and Salat. She gets zero. And Laura went Dixon, Acosta, Arbolino. So you get a point as well. So we've all get got one game. point. So it's 145 for Cameron, 133 for me and Lauren with 83 in third. Then in MotoGP, it was Bagnaia. No, it wasn't. It was Bezzecchi on pole. I haven't actually filled this out, so this is annoying. Bezzecchi ah, on pole. Convenient. Yeah, Bezzecchi on pole. Um, I went for Bagnaia, Cameron Miller, Lauren Martin. And so the sprint close. race, it was Alex Marquez who won. Me and Cameron went Bagnaia and Lauren Binder. In the main race, it was, unfortunately, it was quite annoyingly, actually. Alesa Spargo, then Bagnaia, then Binder. I had Bagnaia to win, then Martin, then Bazzecchi. So that last lap overtake by Bagnaia cost me nine points. Good. No, I stand by me saying good from earlier. That's absolutely (laughs) fine. Cameron nearly had a blinder of a Uh, prediction uh, with Vinales in P1. I got the wrong Aprilia. <laughs> you did. Yeah. But you also had Binder and Banaya on the podium in the incorrect position, so it's two no, points. In the correct positions. <laughs> in the correct positions. Yeah, oh yeah. Peckle, Race Direction did their job. Yeah, exactly. If the stewards were in any way competent, I would yeah. be sailing away with 10 points right now. But oh, no. yeah. Oh, pain, anyway. And Laura went Martin Binder Bastianini, so she gets a point for that. So Vitaly's leaving Silverstone, heading to Austria. Ah, Cameron in the lead with 147. Myself 13 points back, so I lose a place, lose a <gasps> point. Oh my God, lose <laughs> a point. Three words there, that all began with a P and I got the wrong one. Um, 13 points back with 134 is myself. And then 50 back still is Lauren here with 84. That's a win. He, I didn't, didn't lose, lose any, any points. No. You did pretty good. Why not lose anything? Do you know what I mean? But Karen's, Cameron's gained one point on everybody, technically. So he's Okay, just... but I'm still 50 back to you, so that's yeah. a win. 
Yeah, if you say so. Um, but yeah, it's good. All you need is one good weekend where you get 100 points. Oh, yeah. And if you have it. one good weekend, it. you can get 30 whole points. get it. I managed to make up so many points last year when I came in, like mid-season, and then I started this season all big balls, and now I... Now you're nowhere to be seen. <laughs> like, it's embarrassing. I don't yeah. like the predictions every week. I hate it. Well, it- we have a new predictions thing. I'll still run this, of course. But there will be a predictions that you lot at home can get involved with soon. When it's announced and when when there's no technical difficulties with the platform, as Cameron found out. Um, Oh, good. I never bothered looking at it. (laughs) Then we can announce it and kind of get you guys in the league as well. And we'll be doing our own predictions from the podcast. We'll be putting those in that league and you can battle against us for prizes, including MotoGP merchandise. And if you're the best in the world, you know, there's some flipping good prizes on offer. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty juicy stuff. Pretty, like, like, yeah, you're walking away with like 50 grand plus worth of prizes, really, if you win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not from our league, but from everybody's league. No, 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 from the world. Uh, no, thing. and it'll not be us winning either, because no. we'll we are... <laughs> we are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, Cameron. Oh, sorry. I'm just feeling um, good because I gained a point. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> Imagine if you'd got Vinales, right? Oh, my oh, God. And it'd be it looked like it might. I know. I'd, I, it would have been. We'd still be. We'd be chatting about this for ages. Or I would. Yeah. I'd be doing my own monologue. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't out of the realms of possibility, is all I'm saying. No. I got the right bike. Like, yeah, you did. You did. Well done. <laughs> You've done that before. It like. wasn't a Dakai. I've done, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've pegged uh, Miller to win a few times this year, but it's been Brad. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But yeah, I uh, think that's all we've got time for. I think so. Yeah. Good. I'm hungry. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm starving. It's dinner time. We're recording really early today. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> the race is literally finished like it's, an hour, two hours. Yeah, we're like, let's record. It's still yep. light outside. I know. Mental. Yeah. But yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. We're back next week, as always, with our Austrian preview and hopefully some more silly season news or rumours. I'll be speaking to everyone I can to try and get you some good news and uh, we shall see. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Bye. I can't even work out to this one. There you go. Bye. (laughs)